Point Church, how you guys doing today? Come on, everybody, every location, you made it to church on Sunday. We're so thankful to be one church in a bunch of places. I want to say a big welcome to everybody who is here for the very first time. If you're a first-time guest with us, we want to say a big welcome to you. Uh, hopefully, you saw and grabbed that QR code. Uh, I'm going to give it to you in just another second. But if you would scan that and just follow the prompts for a first time here, and we want to follow up with you and say welcome to our church. Also to everyone joining us online around the world, wherever you're watching, and our Austin P. State University campus. Especially today, we have some special guests in the house at Austin P. The entire Austin P. football team, coaching staff, and their families are with us today. We love you guys. We're so thankful for you. Man, we are honored to serve you, and what a privilege it is to get to pastor you guys and to have you in the house today. I know it's camp season, and you guys are out there sweating and working, getting it done. We're going to have a great season, and we pray for you guys a lot. So we're so thankful that you're with us today at Life Point Church. Make yourself at home. We are family. Come on, if you're looking for a church, you done found one, quit looking. Come on, somebody. Hey, I want to say um, we are in 21 days of prayer as a church, August 1st through 21st, and I want to encourage everybody to spend time every day in prayer specifically uh, with your church. Every Tuesday from 9 to 10, we have prayer at our Rossview campus. And uh, we would love for you to join us in prayer for that uh, during that time as well or online. But we have our Pray First guides. We had a bunch printed and you took them all last week. And uh, so we're working on getting some more of these printed, which you can use all year long, but it is digitized. Let me put that QR code up for you one more time so that you'll have it. Scan this QR code. If you're in a room with one on the seat back, scan that. And on that same landing page as first-time guests, sign up for our men's night. You also have the QR code for our Pray First guide. And by the way, you'll notice there are uh, some guided prayers, some directed prayers from you. And there's seven of them, uh, which really gives you a full week of prayer. If you struggle with prayer at all, we give you a different way to pray every day for seven days. Join us at our prayer time on Tuesday from 9 to 10. Pray with your family. Pray with coworkers. Look for opportunities to spend time with God in prayer. And as we do every year, we have partnered our 21 days of prayer with Convoy of Hope for the uh, One Day to Feed the World initiative. How many of you think it's a good thing to feed kids around the world? Somebody say amen to that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. As a church, you are a generous church and you continue to be generous. And I wanna say thank you for that. We are a church that believes in tithing and giving offerings. They're not the same, they're different. The tithe is that first tenth part that we bring to God and that's like, you don't even have to pray about that. You just need to decide to obey about that. Uh, but we bring 10% to the Lord. That's his plan. He came up with it all throughout scripture. And then everything beyond 10% to the Lord is an offering, right? So you don't give offerings till we've brought the tithe. And an offering you need to pray about. You need to ask God, like, what do you want me to do with extra? What, do you, what else do you want me to do? I read a recent statistic that said 77% of tithers, 10% tithers, look forward to giving beyond their tithe. And so there's something about God building a heart of generosity in people as they put the Lord first and trust in tithing. And so we have an opportunity to give an offering. Twice a year, we take a big offering. We don't do offerings for, you know, air conditioners or kids' youth group trips or whatever. We, we run this church on a budget, praise the Lord. But twice a year, we take a special offering, and it's because of our partnership with Convoy of Hope. And uh, in January, we, we do 21 days of fasting and prayer, and we take an offering for clean water. And in August, we do 21 days of prayer. Fasting is optional, praise the Lord. Um, but we, we've partnered with Convoy of Hope one day to feed the world. And I want you to imagine if you, and this is what I want you to pray about over these 21 days. What could you do 
uh, to feed kids around the world. Convoy of Hope currently is feeding right at 500,000 kids every day around the world in developing countries. We're talking Haiti, Nicaragua, uh, all over Africa, countries in Asia, Central Eurasia, et cetera, even kids in America. We're feeding every day. And the average cost to feed a kid for a month through Convoy of Hope's feeding program is $10. So for $10, you can feed one kid in Haiti for an entire month. You can feed a kid in Ecuador for an entire month. How many of you think that's a great return on an investment, right? Well, what we decided to do years ago is during our 21 days of prayer, I've asked you to pray and say, God, what if, what if I gave one day of my earnings, my wages to God to feed kids? How far would one day of my working wage go? So I wanted to show you like mathematically what that actually looks like. Well, imagine your annual salary and divide it by 250 days. That's the average Working life of an adult, 50 weeks, you know, you get two weeks of vacation. I know it's not everybody gets more because of government holidays and sick days and whatever your kid threw up this morning, whatever. <laughs> Round numbers here, people. You do your own math. But imagine you make $30,000 and you just divide it by 250 working days a year. That's $120 in one day's wage. That would feed a kid in somewhere for an entire year, every day. How many of you think one day's wage to feed a kid for a year, it's a great trade-off? Imagine, wait, let's say you make a little more, 50 grand. We're getting into the average Clarksville household income now. Uh, 250 days, $200, that's 20 months you can feed a kid. Or 20 kids you can feed for one month, however you want to see it, almost two years. 80,000, the numbers get higher. Let's say your, 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 your family is doing well. you got $150,000 income, which actually isn't a far stretch for, for a lot of families in the Clarksville area. Divided by 250,000, that's $600 for one day's work. You put in an eight-hour day, and you can feed a kid for five years. Isn't that amazing what we could do? Now, so I started asking God, I'm like, Lord, what if our whole church did this, right? And I, I don't know what y'all make because I don't ever police the money. I don't even know what people give at this church. But the Clarksville average income is $55,800 per household. That's husband and wife or single mom, you know, kids even contributing to the house legally. Come on, we ain't doing the kind of labor stuff. $55,800 divided by 250 working days would provide $223 per day, which would feed a kid through the feeding program for 22 months. I think that's a great investment. So then I started thinking how big of our church is. And these are round numbers. These aren't exact, but let's say we have 2,000 families, households, five or 6,000 people attend on a weekend, 2,000 families in our church divided by the average income or multiplied by the average income we could give 446,000, which would feed one kid for 44,000 months, <laughs> or we could feed uh, 44,600 kids every, for one month. Or if we wanted to do a year, we could feed 3,700 kids for an entire year. Could you imagine what an impact we can make? So here's what I'm asking you to do. I don't wanna arm twist or manipulate any of this. I just wanna show you what's possible. And then I wanna ask you LifePoint, what does God want from us? Even my daughters, you know, my daughters don't have W-2 jobs. They got to work, you know what I'm saying, but they don't have job jobs. But I've asked them over this last couple of days, hey, why don't you pray about how many kids you'd like to sponsor for one month? So my eight-year-old's going, $10 will feed a kid for a month? I could do that. And then I go, well, ask God. She's like, how do I hear from God? Now I'm discipling my daughter, you know, like, he sounds a lot like your dad. 20 kids, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Even your kids can participate in this. In fact, our entire kid point has committed that the, all the offerings they bring for the entire month is gonna go to feed kids around the world. I'm just telling you, let's do this as a church. Let's ask God what's possible. 
and let's do whatever God tells us to do. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Now listen, be disciplined in your tithing and then pray, God, what else? And this is where the what else comes from. These are offerings. Okay, hey, turn with me to Acts chapter 18. Uh, We are back in the book of Acts for another couple of weeks and and we're actually doing a series in the fall, uh, half of August and all of September called, What Does the Bible Say About Blank? And we're gonna deal with some issues, trending issues and topics and cultural issues and and, uh, we're gonna do six weeks in this series and we've actually moved our entire church, all small groups are gonna have discussion topics and videos and, and conversations around the sermon series. So our entire church is pausing the book of Acts and then we'll go back to Acts for the rest of the year. But we're gonna pause the book of Acts and do six weeks on a series called What Does the Bible Say About? A lot of people, a lot of Christians uh, statistically don't read their Bible. They don't read it regularly, which means they don't remember it, which means they don't live by it. And that means consequently, we don't know what the Bible says about certain things. And so we, we hear a lot of what the news says, a lot of what culture says, a lot of what our feelings say. But we wanna know what does the Bible say? And God's given us his word as an instruction for us, as a direction for us. So we're gonna spend time looking at what does the Bible say about the Bible? What's the Bible say about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna look at other topics uh, dealing with that, that we're seeing in culture. So we're gonna take a pause after two more today and next week and look at a, a Bible series. And, and then I'm encouraging everyone to join a small group or lead a small group or host a small group and discuss these in. Now, I'm just telling you on the front end, this series is gonna tick off some of you. Come on, Austin P. let's hear it. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, I want us to trust God, though, when we talk about Jesus to other people. Last week, I preached a message called, Let's Talk About Jesus. And the Apostle Paul in Acts 17 was unapologetic about talking about Jesus. And when he dealt with opposition, he didn't shut up. He just went to the next town. He had the mob come after him. He had a pattern of of coming to a new place, preaching and seeing revival, and then getting attacked in prison, beat up within an inch of his life. And then he just went on to the next town. Nothing stopped the Apostle Paul till his last breath to tell people about Jesus. He had an incredible attitude. He said uh, in Acts 20, 24, we're gonna see in a couple weeks, he said, he said, the only thing that matters to me is to tell everybody I meet about this incredible, extravagant generosity of grace from the, from the gospel. In fact, when he gets arrested, he's like, great, I can tell this, prison, this jailer about the Lord. I mean, the Apostle Paul had this constant attitude, but let me tell you something. This is actually the assignment of God for every one of you too. See, I think a lot of times in the Christian world, we think, well, that's something that preachers do. That's something that really spiritual Christians do or Bible characters do. Well, how about you live your life in a way that should make the Bible? How about you carry the commission of Jesus? Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them the scripture, what I've commanded you. And that wasn't just to a select group of people. That's the great commission for all disciples and followers of Jesus. But I wanna challenge you, many Christians actually, now I'm talking to church folks today, I know we've got some folks visiting, maybe you're not a Christian, just park it here, we're we're gonna learn together. But a lot of Christians struggle with sharing the gospel, telling others about the gospel, telling others what God's done in our own lives, or inviting people to follow Jesus. But let me tell you something, no one that says I'm a follower of Jesus is exempt from the commission of, of Jesus. Yet most Christians rarely or never have shared their faith or the message of the gospel. Now, I wanna be compassionate here and tell you, I think there are normal reasons why, and I think there are some regular excuses that a lot of people have that, for why they don't share the gospel and why they don't share their faith. Just because you have an excuse doesn't mean God has changed his mind about this. But I still wanna be sympathetic to your excuses. 
I still want to be, I want to empathize as a leader. And, and some people will say, well, you're a preacher. Of course you do that. You're a pastor. You love doing that stuff. Well, I actually was doing this before I became a pastor. I started doing it when I became a Christian because I was taught that this is what Christians do. But all of us have our reasons and our excuses. And I want to share a few of those with you today. If you're taking notes, write these things down. I want us to trust God as we share about Jesus. Uh, the first excuse a lot of people give is simply, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of hurting their feelings. I'm afraid of offending. I'm afraid I may lose a relationship. Or we say, well, what if they don't listen to what I say? What if they don't accept the gospel? I'm afraid that they may not uh, like it or I may lose something if I share the gospel. I'm afraid. And I get it. Like most people are not confrontational. 75% of people in, in the Western culture are conflict averse. They're go with the flow folks. And the last thing you wanna do is rattle someone's life by saying you're going to hell without Christ and you need to submit to Jesus, I get it, it's awkward. And you may not know how they'll respond. Who are you to judge me? I'm afraid. Another excuse a lot of people give, I don't know how. And honestly, this is an indictment on the church as a whole. We don't teach discipleship and evangelism like we should. We don't talk, I think here at LifePoint, we talk a lot about sharing the gospel, but I haven't really done a great job probably of telling you how. Thank you for amending that. I also love you a whole lot, okay? <laughs> but many times we aren't actually trained in what to say or we don't know how because we don't always look at conversations as opportunities. For example, you see someone at work and they're really going through it and you go, well, you're in my thoughts. Don't think about me, pray about me, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then look for opportunities to go, hey, I know your marriage is falling apart, but have you thought that maybe God wants to do something in the midst of that? That's an opportunity. Hey, there's crisis going on at home. Have you put that in the Lord's hands? And people go, what are you talking about? Put it in the Lord's hands? Yeah, that's what we did in my family. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know how to look for opportunities. Hey, by the way, uh, the young girl that was missing, we prayed for her last week, has been found, praise God, and we thank the Lord for that. She's alive. She's got, a, she's got a long road to recovery, but her and her family are grateful for the prayers of her church, and so we thank God for that. Uh, we say, I don't know how. We never learned from somebody else how to share the faith. We may not feel confident in the scripture. We don't know where to start. Or we say things like, I don't know what to say. And, and listen, this is, a, again, comes back on us. Like, if you don't know your Bible, you don't know how to share the Bible. If you don't spend time with Christ, you don't know how to share Christ. If, you're, if you don't know what to say, I want to say very often, it's because you're not spending time learning what to say. Everything that you're passionate about, that you love to evangelize about, it could be your favorite sports team, the stats of the greatest quarterback ever, you know how to study the things you're passionate for. And then share those stats. Many of you are so good at your job because you've studied hard and you've trained hard for your job. If you don't know what to say about the gospel and the, 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 the scriptures and invitation to Christ, maybe you're not spending enough time with God. You don't know the Bible. We don't pray. Or we're concerned, I can't argue well with people's objections. This is one a lot of people say, it's none of my business. What do I care if those people go to hell? You should absolutely care. Or we'll say, well, they're good people. Who am I to judge? What am I to... Listen, many of the, this comes from uh, lack of care, laziness, or we don't think sharing the faith is something for regular Christians to do. That's something for preachers to do. Can I tell you, like over and over again, for years, I've had people say, Pastor Mike, would you have lunch with someone? Would you come meet with... I got this friend. I've been... They need the Lord. Would you come meet? No. You go meet with your friend. And I've had, don't call me asking me to meet with people that God put in your life. God put me in your life to help you in their lives. But we go, I don't care. I don't want to, it's not my business. It's not really a big deal. It is a big deal. If you had a real revelation that hell is real and everyone's going there without Jesus, 
your family, friends, your cousins, no one gets a pass because they're a good person. What does that even mean? We don't care. We just, it's not my business. Or here's one we say, I don't want to offend anybody. Please offend people into heaven. What's offensive about God loves you so much that he died in your place? What's offensive about the Lord put a plan together from the beginning of the world to offer you a way of escape from this broken world that we live in and the pain of sin? God has given you a way out. Now, what's offensive is when we're jerks about it and when we're rude about it and when we're judgmental and condemning about it. But it's not offensive to tell people God loves you so much you don't have to walk through this anymore. God will give you a way of escape. God will set you free. God will save you for eternity. You can live in heaven forever. And if that's offensive, offend people right into heaven, please. But it's a normal concern. This is an excuse we give. I don't want to offend anybody. Finally, this is the one that I think most of us probably land on. I'm just too busy. It's not that I don't think it matters. I just got a lot going on. Man, I got four kids. I got a full-time job. My wife has a full-time job. I got a dog. Come on now. I thought having a dog was fun until you got to take him out all the time. You can't go nowhere without thinking about that dog. I wish I could, I don't like cats, but I at least like that they can be left alone for a couple days. You know what I'm saying? If I could train my dog to go in a litter box, we would be winning. <laughs> We're all busy. I got a job. I work 80 hours a week. I'm a college student. I'm practicing for my sport. I'm an awesome P player. I'm advancing my career. Many people in the Christian faith statistically would argue that it's important that other people hear the gospel. But those same Christians would often say, but I'm not the one to tell them about it. Or I haven't been the one to tell them about it yet. Let the pastors do it. Let the preachers do it. Let the evangelists do it. Let the Billy Grahams do it. Let someone else do it. But in Acts chapter 18, the apostle Paul goes through a major life change, has every excusable reason to give just like this of why he's off the grid for a season of not preaching and sharing the gospel. He's off the road for a year and a half. He's been grounded like a pilot who's been grounded for a year and a half. He's no longer preaching. He's no longer traveling. He's parked for a year and a half. And the excuses still don't get in his way. I, I want you to understand that we can trust God when sharing his faith. And the first thing you need to understand from the text we're looking at today is your stage and season of life do not matter. When it comes to God's commission, here, if you're not familiar with the Great Commission, Matthew 28, Jesus, before he goes to the right hand of the Father and gives the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us, he says these very famous words. He says, now go into all the world and make disciples of everybody. Another way to read that is, as you are going in this world, make disciples. Some of you are like, well, if I can't go to Djibouti, if I can't go to Tanzania, if I can't go to all the world, who am I to? As you're going in this world, make disciples of all people baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, which includes repent of your sins, submit to Jesus, give your life to Christ. And Jesus says, for I am with you always in this effort. But some of us want to say, well, I would if I weren't so busy. I would if I wasn't trying to get this master's degree. I, I would do more for God if, if I were younger, if I could go back in time, or if I were older and I knew a little bit more. I would do more if. But your stage and season of life do not matter. All of us should know God's command to share the gospel and invite others to know Christ. This is an expectation for God's people. And we don't get to tell God, Lord, I'm sorry. It's not a good time for me right now. God, I don't know what I'm going to say. Lord, I don't want to offend you. God, who am I to judge these people? Who am I? I don't know what. I'm busy, God. But for some, we look at our season of life, our stage of life, our priorities, and Barna suggests many of us have just decided it's not a priority. I'm amazed and astounded at how many Christians don't care that other people are not going to heaven. 
You know the alternative, right? If someone's not going to heaven when they die, they are going to hell. That's true. That may offend you. You may not like that, but you don't get to set the terms. I get it. I got a full-time job and kids and everything else, but watch the Apostle Paul. He's been preaching, preaching, preaching. He's got revivals. He goes from city to city. He gets, has revival, then he gets attacked by the mob. He gets thrown in jail, gets beaten. He's got to escape with his life. And now in Acts chapter 18, verse 1, Paul has left Athens and he went to Corinth. This is a place he's been multiple times. In fact, he's on his second journey through Corinth. He's planted churches there. Later, you see in the Bible that he wrote letters to the Corinthian churches, First and Second Corinthians. And there he found a Jew named Aquila, who was a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife, particularly moved out from Rome with his wife, Priscilla. Come on, Aquila and Priscilla. That was a match made on a naming board right there. <laughs> so Paul has gone to Corinth and he found a Jew, which is actually a, a former Jew who's now a convert to Christianity, named Aquila and his wife Priscilla. And they're there in Athens because Claudius, the Caesar of the day, had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Now, I want you to understand the Jews were commanded to leave Rome. It's an exile. It's an oppression against the Jewish people. It's interesting, the Jewish people have always dealt with oppression from governing uh, rulers and, and nation states all the way up until even today. It's an, oppress it's an interesting oppression that they were experiencing, and the Christians would have been under that oppression because in the first century in particular, Christianity or the way of Christ was seen as a sect or an offshoot or a cult under Judaism. So for the Jews to be exiled out of Rome, all Christians that followed this Jewish savior, Jesus, had to be exiled as well. And that's why Aquila and Priscilla and now Paul are found in Corinth, not their hometown of Rome. So Paul's in Corinth and he meets up with some folks that he knew, Aquila and Priscilla. And look what it says. And he went to see them and because he was of the same trade. In other words, he had the same job as them. They had something in common. They were both soldiers. They were both, you know, f farmers or migrant workers in particular. They were of the same trade. He stayed with them and he worked. He got a job. The apostle Paul, preacher job Paul, got a job for they were tent makers by trade. Now, these aren't Columbia three-room tents for you to go glamping, you know, and land between the lakes. These are like these are canopy tents, these are canvases for homes, these are uh, marketplace tents. This is a big deal in the day. Uh, this is a big enterprise for them. And so it says that he moved in with these people and he's working with them as tent makers by trade. And he, look at what he says though. So he's working, he got a job, he's not on the preaching circuit, but then look right here. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. Now every day was his preaching day before, but now he has a job and he gotta go to work. So his situation changed. He's under oppressive regime. He's staying in a borrowed bedroom. How many of you would let somebody move into your house for this long? Some grown man that's not family. Just laying their clothes out on your, you know, bike that you don't ride anymore and, and kick back eating out of your fridge. You know what I'm saying? So like Aquila and Priscilla hosting the Apostle Paul, who's not on a preaching tour. He had to get a job at Lowe's making tents. But every weekend, he's preaching. He's reasoning in the synagogue and trying to persuade the Jews to Christ and the Greeks to God in Christ. By the way, I wanna skip down to verse 11 just so you know how long it was. And he stayed a year and a half teaching the word of God with them. Can I just give a shout out to Aquila and Priscilla for opening their house for a year and a half for a stranger to come and have his way in their home, get a job at their company, run his own, talk about generosity and servant's heart. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, what a, what a way to do. Go back to the previous, though, verse four and five. 
I want you to see something here. Paul had been a traveling evangelist and preacher for a number of years, seen great miracles, many people come to faith. If there was a Billy Graham of the day, it was the Apostle Paul. He is well-known, highly respected. His ministry had power. He was seeing miracles and healing, the same stuff that's available today, by the way. But now due to realities beyond his control, he couldn't help this. Caesar shut down Rome for Jews and Christians. He was no longer allowed to travel and preach, especially through Rome, which was a major hub of his travel. But notice, he stays a year and a half and he gets a regular job, not a church job. He's not on staff at the local synagogue. It does, it's not a preaching gig. He wasn't on the road. He was working like you. He's selling medicine. He's a pharmacist. He's a doctor. He's a teacher. He's a stay-at-home parent. He's doing a regular job like every one of us, stretching fabric, making tents, working nine to five with Dolly. But notice on the weekends, he gave God that time. He gave a focus to the Lord to serve God by going to the synagogue. And notice it says every Sabbath, not two Sabbaths a week, a month, not once a quarter, Every Sabbath, he went and he used the gifts God had given him, trying to persuade the Jews. He worked his regular job, he lived in a borrowed bedroom, and he committed all the extra time that he had to tell somebody about Jesus. Many of us have an excuse. I'm too busy. I don't know what to say. I'm not in a good situation right now. My marriage is falling apart. My kids won't listen to me. I'm not happy at my job. But yet, Paul who was sat down and he was grounded from doing the thing God had built him to do, he's in a season of delivering pizzas. He's in a season of making tents of a regular job. And he says, that does not gonna stop me from doing the thing that God's put in my heart to tell people about Jesus Christ, to share the faith whenever he could. You know what he couldn't do is from eight to eight, he, Monday through Friday, he couldn't share the gospel unless it just happened. But on the weekends, he gave his weekends to make sure that he was reasoning with people about Christ. For so many of us, we're so busy. We're students, we're student athletes, we're parents. We're hardworking soldiers, stay-at-home moms. And for many of us, we say, I'm so busy, I wanna protect my margins. I wanna protect my free time. I wanna enjoy my personal space. Maybe you're retired and you think, I have nothing else to offer anyone. Maybe you're 11 and you go, how in the world would I do anything for the gospel? You say, my marriage is falling apart. I got other things to worry about right now than whether or not my, my neighbor goes to heaven. But that should never prevent you, listen, from looking for opportunities Paul found an easy opportunity. Hey, I can do this. I can come on the Sabbath and I can, bring the I can bring the word and I can tell people about Jesus. For Paul, it was on the weekends. For you, maybe it's between classes on Tuesday and Thursdays or after PT three days a week or maybe you get on social media and you use your platform not to repost drama but to put out a five-minute devotional. Maybe you're witnessing to your kids as you put them to bed instead of arguing with them about going to bed. Nobody's too busy to find opportunity to give others the best news in the world. And I want you to trust God is with you. And I want you to look for opportunities. Do your job really well, but give God room to use you. And look for those moments. Maybe it's your lunch break on Tuesdays with that coworker that's really going through it. And don't let your situation, I can't imagine for Paul, he was like, yes, this is what I want to be doing at 55 years old. He went from a leader in the synagogues and the Sanhedrin to the greatest preacher, church planner, pastor, the whole New Testament's ever seen, writing books of the Bible, to working at a tent shop. I can't imagine Paul's going, this is, I'm living the dream. But what he didn't do is allow that situation to become an excuse for him to disobey Christ in telling others about the Lord. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So I want you to understand, first of all, that your stage and season of life don't matter. Second of all, God will prove himself for you. 
This is amazing what happens. God will prove himself for you. So Paul's tent making, he's living in a borrowed bedroom, he's preaching on the weekends. Whatever your situation, look for opportunities. Listen, I get it, you don't have 24 seven to do this. I don't either, by the way, I pastor church. I actually have a job that's more than just preaching on the weekends. I still have people that go, what do you do all week? Nothing, I just make it up on the fly Sunday mornings and I fly fish all week, that's all I do. I have a job, we have a staff, we have 50 people, 50 interns coming, we gotta run an organization, we serve in the community, we got all kinds of stuff, we're busy. And so I have to look for opportunities to share the gospel too, because I can be so busy working for the church, I'm not actually inviting people to Jesus. Verse five, it says, when Saul and Silas and Timothy finally arrive at Macedonia, it's so funny, his squad is always behind. Look what it says, Paul was occupied with the word. Part of his sharpness and ability to be on the go, ready to talk about Christ, is Paul stayed occupied with the word of God. Can I tell you one of the hindrances that many of us have with sharing the gospel? We don't read the Bible. We don't spend time in prayer. Take these 21 days, the next two weeks of 21 days of prayer. Spend time every day. Occupy yourself in the word. Look at this. He was occupied with the word, and he was testifying to the Jews that Christ, that the Christ was Jesus. In other words, he's in the synagogue house. He's telling the Jewish people, guys, we've been praying for Messiah. We've been praying for the, the Savior to come for centuries. And I'm telling you, Jesus is the Christ. He's the one, the son of Mary and Joseph. The guy died on a cross and he raised from the dead. So he's in the synagogue and he's wrestling through the word and he's teaching from the Bible, all these prophecies. And he's trying to tell Jewish people, because that's his family, right? That Christ was Jesus and they opposed him. They're in the synagogues going, I don't believe it. That's not the one who we want to follow. That's not the way I was raised. And when they opposed, it is something how religious people can very often be the ones to reject the new thing God's doing. Anyway, we'll keep moving. When they opposed and reviled him, look what he did. He shook off his garments. In other words, it, I, I mean, I think they literally had this as like a cultural thing where you just shake the edge of your, your robe or shake the dust off your feet. I think it'd be weird to do it today. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm preaching in this room and y'all ain't listening, so I just throw off my jacket and shake it in your face. It'd be weird. <laughs> but he, look what he did. He's trying. He's devoted to the word. He's reasoning with these people that he loves deeply. And they reviled him and rejected him. So he shakes the dust off of him. He doesn't get bitter and angry. He just goes, well, I'm not gonna waste my time here. Watch what he says. Your blood is on your own heads now. Look, I'm innocent. Here's what he's saying. I tried to tell you. I can't make you believe it. I can't make you change. But I had to, God's making me tell you. And if you, you ain't rejecting me, you're rejecting him. And your blood and your eternity is now in your own hands. I told you. You ever look at your kids before and say, I told you this was going to happen. Like that's Paul being a good pastor, being a good evangelist. He did the work to say the thing. And listen, some people will reject that. That's not on you, and it shouldn't be a reason to not tell them anyway. It's like you ever walk through Sam's or, or somewhere where they're selling stuff, like they, the AT&T guy's always at Sam's. I got AT&T, leave me alone, you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to get me some avocados and a block of cheese. Come on, Jesus, $4 for a 98-pound block of cheese. But you know, you walk through Sam's in the front of the building, and there's that AT&T guy. He's like, excuse me, sir, would you like to have? And I'm like, no, I don't need your product. I'm very nice about it. And, you know, his attitude is like, well, hey, I told you, this is what we got. And if, you know, your phone plan, T-Mobile, cricket plan's terrible, that's on you. It's the same here. Like, I know it's a stupid illustration. My point is, as we promote the gospel, you, you don't promote the gospel with guarantees. 
which you promoted anyway. And they reviled and opposed him. So he goes, okay, I've told you, it's all on you now. I'm innocent of this. And then he says, but I'm going to go on to the Gentiles. I love that he puts it back on them. He didn't let his excuses get in the way, but he did let their excuses get in the way. They didn't want it. So he's like, okay. Like many of us are stuck with, I'm afraid. I don't know how. I don't want to. It's none of my business. I'm afraid of what I'll say. Don't say no for someone else. Let them say no. But then look at the next verse. So he left there, the synagogue, and he went to the next house, the house of a man named Titius Justice, who's a worshiper of God. He left there and went to the house. His house was next door to the synagogue. So like he's in the synagogue. Hey, Jewish guys, Jesus is the Christ. I'm telling you. And they're like, no. He's like, all right, blood's on your own heads. Knock, knock. Hey, bro, I was just next door. They kicked me out. Listen, I want to tell you about Jesus. That's a guy who didn't get discouraged because people wanted to be people. He's still on mission. It's Saturday, man. I got tent making all week long, but by Lord God, it's Saturday, and I'm going to tell somebody. So he goes to the next house, and he finds a worshiper of God. It was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, who's the ruler of the synagogue, somehow he snuck in here, right? Y'all see this? The ruler of the synagogue believed in the Lord together with his whole family. Listen, everyone in the building may reject, but somebody's listening. And Crispus, the ruler, comes over and he's like, look, man, I've been hearing what you're saying and my whole family's down with this Jesus Christ. And it says he and his whole household and many of the Corinthians, he's in the house next door to the synagogue where they kicked him out. Don't get shut down because somebody said, no, that's on them. You stay on mission and you keep telling people about the Lord because the next house may be a major breakthrough. And many of the Corinthians believed and were baptized. Come on, Jesus, look at God. Listen, God will prove himself in this. You think the Lord would ever sit in heaven when you're trying to share the gospel and go, I don't want you to say that. I don't want you to do that. No, they can go to hell. Never. If you will start opening your mouth and trusting God, the Lord will show up. Now, people may reject you, but God never will. You just keep going to the next place. You keep going to the next colleague. You go to the next neighbor or the next kid in your family, and you share the gospel and trust the Lord that he is changing hearts. Look at God. Man, one verse later, a different crowd heard the same gospel and received Jesus. It says Crispus and his whole family, the ruler of the synagogue, who later gets his butt whooped for this. The last verse of this passage, they beat the fire out of him because they couldn't beat on Paul. And he says, many others believed. You just never know who God will reach as you and I share Jesus. Please lay down excuses. Stop following your own excuses and rejections. And be open to trusting God. Let God prove himself. By the way, today's Baptism Sunday. I love that this text fell on Baptism Sunday. My daughter, my fourth daughter is getting baptized today. All of our kids will be baptized. If you've never, been, if you've never gone public with your faith in Jesus, or maybe this was me. I was baptized like four times as a kid. Every time my mom takes to a new church, they want to hold me down for a long time. I got baptized a bunch as a kid, but never as a Christian. If you haven't been baptized as a follower of Christ, get baptized today. Come on, we got everything you need. My kid's gonna be in there after four services. I can't wait. And she's my tough one, so we're gonna do her twice. You know what I'm saying? Like, get down. <laughs> do it again, Lord Jesus. Do it again. <laughs> but watch the promise of God. Like, you know Paul's gotta go from discouragement to encouragement, discouragement to encouragement. He goes from Berea to Athens to Corinth, and it's like up and down, up and down. These people, I feel like Paul would pray like Moses, you know? God, these people you've given me. 
But then the Lord, man, I'm so grateful that the Lord is still an encourager. I had somebody come up to me after service today and they go, man, I've been praying about this and God used this sermon to confirm and encourage me so mightily. So I wanna encourage you. I want you to see how God encouraged Paul. He had a, a rejection, then he had acceptance and everybody get baptized. And then it says this in verse nine. And the Lord said to Paul, one night in a vision. Notice it's not a dream. He ain't asleep. He's in prayer. This is why we pray. And the Lord spoke. Let me tell you something. All of you, listen, some of you came from denominations that don't believe God's still speaking and the spirit ain't still moving. That's crazy. God loves you as much as he loved Paul. And if you'll spend time with God, he'll spend time speaking to you. Just talk to the Lord, spend time with him. Anyway, so the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision. Look what God tells Paul. He had a terrible day in the synagogue, a great day at the neighbor's house. And the, the Lord says to Paul, don't be afraid. Go on speaking. I mean, when you're 50-50, right? Rejected in the synagogue, victory in the, in the neighbor's house. I don't know. I, I'd be like, oh, I don't know if this is working. God says, don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. It's kind of the same thing. But God's saying double down because he's hard-headed. And look at this. For I am with you. Some of us have forgotten that by the Holy Spirit, God is always with us. When you want to witness to your neighbor, when you want to witness to your coworker, when you want to speak up at work and pray over the meal at your, you know, your cafeteria. Hey, guys, can we pray before we eat? I mean, just start there. Watch heads turn. Huh? <laughs> Don't be that silent prayer like everybody's talking and then you awkwardly go. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Just invite them to pray. Hey, everyone, let's pray. You know, just I'm with you. Do you think God's never, ever not with you? Especially when you're inviting people to follow Jesus. And no one will, I will protect you. No one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. I just want you to be encouraged. And I believe as God encouraged these things to the Apostle Paul, we see it as the heart of God throughout Scripture. I want you to imagine your life is busy, you're insecure, you don't know what to say, you don't have a 100% conversion rate, you, you may feel like a reject because you're talking about these things or you're in a position right now where life is broken and life is hard. You've been kicked out of Rome, you're making tents right now, you're doing a side hustle instead of the main thing you wanna do. God's with you, you can keep going. Watch out, I mean, just let me break down this text for you. God says, don't be afraid. He says, you're not been given a spirit, don't be afraid of your boss, don't be afraid of losing your job, don't be afraid of nothing. I serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is the God over everything. You can't touch me. I'm not afraid of you, boss man, boss woman. I'm not afraid of you, government, separation, church, and state. What you gonna do to me? He said, go on speaking. Open your mouth. Talk about Jesus. Quit talking about you. I'm afraid. I don't know. I don't want to offend. Hey, uh, can I tell you more about what I love? No, talk about, open your mouth, talk about Jesus. And then don't be silent about it. <laughs> Hard-headed people need to hear it twice, right? And then God promises every one of you, listen to me, I'm with you. Jesus said in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, lo, I am with you to the very end of the age. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He says, no one will harm you. God says, I will protect you. You think you're gonna lose it? You're, you're gonna get cut from the team? You're gonna get in trouble with the coaches? No, God says, nobody is gonna come after you. Nobody's gonna hurt you. You be about my business and I will make you my business. Come on now. And look what he says. And I got a whole lot of other people who actually believe this. Y'all need to be encouraged. This is why we're in small groups. This is why we want you huddling up with, with other believers and doing life with other Christians so you can fan the flame of the fact of knowing that there is a family of God and God has other people who are saying yes to Jesus. I'm telling you, I believe these words are true for us right now. 
Some of you feel tired, inadequate, you feel like you don't know enough or you don't know what to say or you feel like you've sinned too much or too busy and you can't give God enough of your time. Maybe you're discouraged because you're the only one on your team, only one in your family, only one in your company who cares about Jesus or you've been threatened. If you say anything else about your faith at work, you're gonna lose your job. I want you to be encouraged with these promises from God. As he promised them to Paul, I believe the Lord would say he promises them to us as well. We can see God on full display. Listen, know that God stands with you. I mean, everything I just read to you, God is with you in this endeavor. It's the main thing God wants us talking about, actually. Think about that statement I just made. The whole world needs Jesus, and the only way they're gonna get it is through the church. So of course God's gonna be with you if you will invite other people to follow Jesus. Whatever your excuses are, don't don't submit your life to your excuses. Submit your life to the God of eternity who wants this most of all. And know that he stands with you. So watch. The Apostle Paul goes to the synagogue. He gets reviled. He goes to the neighbor's house and he has revival. Well, guess who shows up again? The mob. But the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. I'm with you. Keep talking. Don't be quiet. No one will hurt you. So the very next verse, Gallio was the proconsul. It's like the, the city court, the judge. He was the proconsul of Achaia. And the Jews, remember in the synagogue, they reviled Paul in the last couple verses? The Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, the city court, civil court. And they said, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. So they're bringing up, he broke the law by telling people not to worship Caesar, but to worship Jesus Christ. The dang religious people. (laughs) Something about church And I'll tell you what, lost people have never criticized and condemned me as a pastor for the things I say and the way I preach and the way I dress. It's always church people. None of you, first service. You know what I'm saying? None of you. (laughs) The religious folks mobbed, look at what it says, a united attack on Paul. And they bring him before the city court and they said, this man's persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. He's breaking the law. And that's what proconsuls were there to enforce. And I love the way Luke writes this next verse. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, here's Paul standing there before the proconsul, and he literally goes, Gallio speaks up. The judge said, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, oh, Jews, I, I would have reason to accept your complaint. Like Paul's about to defend himself, and the judge The Roman judge speaks up for Paul. You talk about God will defend you. God will protect you. God will speak up for you. When the judge says, hey, hey, don't say nothing, Paul. Don't say nothing, Paul. Let me speak for you. Hey, guys, come on. You're wasting my time. If, If it was a real matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, then I'd have reason to accept your complaint. But since it's a matter of your questions about words and names on your own law, see to it yourselves. Gallio, who they thought they had a grand, a slam dunk, with getting Paul arrested and getting him canceled and having the woke mob attack him, they go to Gallio and Gallio's like, this is stupid, guys. You're wasting my time. If, it, if it, it's, a, it's your stuff to deal with, so, so I refuse to be a judge. Get out of my court. Man, I'm here to tell you, God is with you. He'll never leave you. You might be afraid, but don't be afraid because the God of eternity stands with you and he can close the mouths of lions. He can close the mouths of your boss. He can change the heart of people who oppose you. God can transform people who are against what you're trying to do because you're doing it for his glory. And so God can even shut people out of your life. 
Listen to me, God's with you. He's always with you. And when you wanna share the good news, God is never absent. If he has to shut the mob down, if he has to protect you and defend you, he will do it. You might lose your job for him to give you a better job. You have to understand, God can change the heart of your boss who threatens you. I swear, if you bring up Jesus one more time, I'm gonna fire you. Well, who should I listen to, you or God? I'm gonna talk about Jesus. Well, you're, you know, I'm gonna promote you. What? Come on, God. I don't know about you, but I'm fired up. The next verse, the mob took the synagogue leader, Sosthenes is another name for him, and they beat him in front of the, Galileo's like, I don't even care. You guys are, you guys have no authority, you have no influence here, you guys are losers. It's a really sad end. Remember the guy that ran the synagogue, got saved in his whole household? He ends up getting beat by the very people that he was pastoring before as the synagogue leader. Galileo's like, you guys are terrible. I wanna, I wanna challenge you with, just a final thought, and I gotta close, I'm over time. But you have to understand, God can change the heart of people who've threatened you. God can make sure you keep your job, close the mouths of your accusers, give you the right words to say. He will help you make time. God wants us to share the gospel. So since the answer to that is, yes, Lord, we want to, how, what do we do from here? First of all, write this down, just, you gotta decide to drop excuses. You have to decide, I'm not too busy, I don't not know enough, I'm not gonna, I don't care rejection, I'm not afraid. Just drop the excuses. Honestly, every excuse we give to disobey Christ is rooted in pride, selfishness. So just commit, I'm not gonna, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna drop the excuse. And then pray. Like we're in 21 days of prayer. You should pray every morning, Lord, would you give me an opportunity today to tell someone about Jesus? Maybe a student in your classroom, a coworker, somebody. God, give me an opportunity. Maybe it's at the gas station or or in the checkout line at, at Target or Walmart. Who, who knows, it could be after practice at Austin P for football with another guy on the team while you're walking in your neighborhood and you catch a neighbor on the walk. Just pray and ask God, Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear and opportunities to share. But you gotta also pray and spend time with God and his word in order to be ready to share what God's sharing with you. Third is just share Jesus. What's the Lord doing in you? Tell somebody about that. You know, they say in Revelation that we're overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb, right? Spend time with God and tell somebody else what he's telling you. When I was a freshman and sophomore in college, I didn't know the full counsel of scripture. I didn't know what commentators had said about Luke 11. You know, I didn't, I didn't know all the Bible. I didn't know all the answers. I just knew God was doing something in me and I had to tell somebody. So I would meet with friends in college. I didn't even know this was discipling people. I didn't know what it was. I was a brand new Christian. But I'd have lunch or coffee with somebody and I'd say, hey man, I gotta just share. I was reading this week in the Bible. What do you think about that? And very often they're like, I don't wanna talk about this. No, 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 we're gonna talk about it. This is great. Listen, and I would just tell them, like God's changing my life. He's transforming me. Can you believe it? And we turn into conversations about how God, and then they'd ask opposing questions. Well, what do you think about? I don't know. I don't have all those answers. But I know God's showing me this and he's doing something to me now. And as you grow and mature and spend time with God, he'll help you share him better. And then finally, I want you to trust God that he's with you. Don't believe the lie that you're doing this on your own. Don't believe the lie that people aren't gonna listen, they're gonna reject you and you're gonna offend everybody. I want you to trust that God's with you and make a difference for the gospel in Jesus' name. God, would you help us with this word today? Would you help us with this message from Acts 18 and Lord, where the apostle Paul spoke so boldly to those about Jesus, would you put that boldness in us? Would we, Lord God, lay down excuses, things that have held us back from sharing the gospel? Would you help us, Lord God, to 
to make a difference in the lives of people that you've put us around. And God, we repent. Come on, everybody, just open your hands to the Lord. God, we repent for the excuses we've given you. We say we're sorry, Lord God. We, we say, God, we don't wanna live in excuse land. We wanna live in obedience to you. And so God, we're gonna begin to pray. We're not gonna go out like some crazy, zealous warriors without prayer preparation and study and scripture time. But God, we, we are saying today, Lord God, we are willing and available to do what you've asked us to do. God, we're willing to take a step of faith and boldness and, and step through our insecurities and our excuses to share the gospel with other people. Our world is going to hell without Jesus called us as the church to invite them to follow Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd give us the boldness and the willingness. God, where we've messed this up before, I thank you for a clean slate today that we can repent and move on. God, would you give us opportunity? Would you pray this with me? Every campus, every location, everybody in this room, pray, God, I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin so that I can live my life completely for him, on mission for him, submitted to him, as the Lord of my entire life. Say, God, would you use me to share the gospel with other people? Say, I confess my excuses have held me back, but I lay those down today in Jesus' name. I'm yours, I'm all in to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen, everybody.